Good morning. We know that this is a small space for so many people. Who would imagine that such a life would draw such a crowd? What an absolute... Would have put off all the things I had to do. I would have stayed a little longer. Held on a little tighter. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that would be good. All right. Listen, we are um, we are touched and honored, and um, oh, we shouldn't be surprised because such a good man, right? But here we are. Today, we are going to honor the life of Lester Scott Ring. We are thankful that you are here. If you are not able to find a seat, we would invite you. You can find yourself. Uh, there's some seats. If anybody can squish in, we could do that. But also, if you want to make your way up the side of the, uh, of the, of the side aisles and y'all can stand against the wall, that would be great, too. We're going to do our best to accommodate everybody here today. Um, but on behalf of Miss Karen and their family, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're going to uh, take a few minutes and uh, listen to a song and watch some pictures of Brother Scott play. And then we'll continue on with our time this morning. Miss Kate. If I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Now what I'd give for one more day with you There's a wound here in my heart where something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine The only scars in heaven won't belong to me There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now share of scars along the way oh, but now you're standing in the sun you fought your fight and your race is run the pain is all a million miles away the only scars in heaven 
Not a day goes by that I don't see you. You live on in all of the better parts of me. Until I'm standing with you in the sun, I'll fight this fight in this race I'll run. Until I finally see what you can see. Oh, the only scars in hell. Such thing is broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now And even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now Lester Scott Risch was born on July 21st, 1963 in Texas City, Texas. And he passed into the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ on February 25th, 2023. Scott is preceded in death by his mother, Barbara Risch, his brother, Stephen Risch Jr., his father-in-law, Don Rant, mother-in-law, Ann Rant, as well as many dear loved ones and friends he made throughout his life. Today, he is survived by his wife, Karen Risch, son Christopher, granddaughters Cheyenne, Lily, and Abby, his father, Charles Stephen Risch Sr., who cannot be here with us today, but we send our love to him. His sisters, Sally Ritter, Patty George, and husband Gary, his brother, Danny Risch, his sister-in-laws, Brenda Blue, Kathy Levine, and her husband, Robbie. His brother-in-law, Daryl Rant, and wife, Gloria. As well as many nieces and nephews who knew them as their Funkle. <laughs> if you aren't familiar, that's the fun uncle. <laughs> He's also survived by a host of friends and associates gathered through a life well lived as a genuinely good and kind man. Lester. Anybody know Lester? I don't. 
<laughs> I know Scott, and as I actually knew him, I knew him as Brother Scott. So as everyone knew him, Scott, he graduated from Alvin High School and he began his career in the printing industry, which provided for he and his young family for nearly 20 years. In later years, Scott found a home at HEB Grocery. And whenever I say he found a home at HEB Grocery, I mean that in the full sense of the term. That is something, isn't it? Scott was known at AGB to be diligent in his duties, and he provided a kind, smiling face to patrons. And uh, there's a lot of people that you can look around today here in this room uh, who are from his AGB family. And so he didn't just provide a kind, smiling face to his patrons, but his fellow associates as well. Scott was a faithful member of Friendswood Baptist Church for over 36 years. I'm going to interject here. My, I'm the pastor of Friendswood Baptist Church. If you don't know me, my name is Macaulay Austin. My father pastored here before I did, coming here in 1988. Scott and his wife Karen were here. They preceded my father here at Friendswood Baptist Church. Uh, one of my earliest memories of this building, of this space, it's coming in. It was a very different looking building. You'll see it uh, maybe in a video later, but uh, there was wood paneling around. Uh, there were blonde pews with mustard yellow seats <laughs> and, uh, and red carpet. And not, uh, not a calming, soothing red carpet. <laughs> very jarring red carpet. I remember walking into those glass front doors, and those are the same doors that were there all those many years ago. And turning down the center aisle and seeing uh, Scott Risch coming down with a smile on his face, wearing a plaid shirt, and denim jeans, and some tennis shoes. If I didn't know it better, that, that picture that we have of him, that would be the same plaid shirt. <laughs> But uh, I imagine he wore the other one out, and so <laughs> I'm going to take it that this was a new one. <laughs> so faithfully, he was a member of our church for over 36 years. Uh, for over 20 years, he served as our song leader and choir director. Even after that, he was always active in our music ministry in the years that followed. But beyond his duties as music, minister, as music minister, Scott served in the Sunday school department, and he spent many summers helping facilitate children's camp at Camp Mohawk. Many who are in this room today remember Camp Mohawk. There, too, his wife Karen would lead in the kitchen, serving up her famous shepherd's pie, among other tasty meals. I don't say this lightly, and I don't say it flippantly, and I don't say it... Uh, in any pithy manner, he is dearly loved by all at Friendswood Baptist Church, as he was always ready to greet everyone with a handshake or a hug, if they let him. Some ladies were just mean. <laughs> he would always give a compliment. Oh, did you do something different with your hair? Those are nice earrings. 
That dress looks really good on you. Is that a new tie? Always with a compliment and always eager to share a joke. And we'll say joke in quotes. Beyond that, Scott was creative, and he was talented artistically. Uh, I remember from a young age uh, seeing him draw things and, and always uh, wanting to know how to draw like him. In recent years, he took up woodworking as well. He loved to spin a lathe and work a chisel, and he created everything from canes to stools to wooden fruit baskets and handcrafted cheese boards. Many of those, many of you who've received any of those, uh, those woodworking projects of Scott's, they're priceless treasures today, aren't they not? One of the things that Scott always had a love for was writing. He really had a great desire to be an author of children's books, especially. With the help of some dear friends, and I'll name them here, Bruce and Connie Moran, and Deborah Schmidt, Scott was able to publish his first book. The Squirrel Chronicles. And he went on to publish Tallow and two follow-up books in that series. And I'm just going to put a plug in here uh, because I can do that. Uh, those books are available uh, for uh, uh, a hefty donation. They're available in the front of our uh, church today. And I would encourage you to pick up one of those books and read it. You, you might actually, just knowing Scott, and I, I was reading Tallow this week, and just knowing Scott, seeing some of the turns of phrases that he uses and his imagination at work, you, you would go, man, I, I, there, was a, there was a whole other world in his mind that I wasn't privy to. But now we get a little taste of it. And so I would encourage you all. I would encourage you all to pick up one of those books. And if you don't have any, any finances for a donation, that's okay too. I know Scott would rather you have the gift than receive a gift. And all he did, Brother Scott was a gentle, kind, unassuming man of great faith and character. As we can see today, he is greatly loved. He will be deeply missed. The comfort that we have is that while he is absent from us, he is present with our Lord. One went on to write and said, Scott was a gentle and unique man. There was no one more loving, caring, more fun, or more faithful. We all live with a heart for, uh, may we all live with a heart for others like Scott. He saw the good and very best in people, telling others they are appreciated and loved. Man, he did, didn't he? I appreciate you. Always lending a helpful hand, telling a good dad joke. I think we could just call him Scott Jokes. <laughs> he might be the inventor of the dad joke. And not taking life too serious. May we all love as big as Scott and try to lift others up daily. To know Scott was to love him. Scott, you will be more than missed. And we thank you for touching our lives in your own special way. That contagious smile, that quirky sense of humor, and the you bets, and oh man, 
will be missed. But you always put a smile in our hearts. I think this is appropriately stated. You, Scott, a man of great, a man of strong Christian faith, are gone too soon. But we find comfort in knowing that as you passed through the gates of heaven, you undoubtedly received the greatest compliment of all. For our Lord Jesus said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Does anybody disagree with that? I will say, usually I would read some other scriptures, but that's the appropriate scripture to read today. That comes out of Matthew chapter number 25, verse number 23. Scott did well. One thing that's not mentioned in his obituary, and it, we haven't said it yet, but I want us to know this. Scott was a father. A good father. And poured his life out for his son. And for that, I know that the Lord says... Well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Oh God, we come to you today. We come to you who are good. You are good, God. We thank you for being good. We come to you today thanking you for the good gift of Scott. Scripture says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Here's what I know, that no chaos, no hurt, no harm, no offense, no death comes from you. But that which is good does come from you. And what you gave us in Scott was a good gift. What a testimony of his life that this room is uh, filled and overflowing. God, we pray that you would be with us today. We want to honor him. We want to uh, give back a little bit of what he's given to us. Joy and laughter and encouragement, Lord. Faithfulness. Kindness. But Lord, we also need our, our grieving hearts comforted. We cannot make sense. Of his death, Lord. And truly there's no sense to be made. But scripture says that you're a God who gives peace that surpasses sense and reason. And so, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would be the God who brings us peace today. Where there is no peace. And where there is no reasonable reason to have peace. Might you bring us peace. Lord, we not only want to honor Scott, we want to receive your peace today, your comfort today. Uh, Lord, we want to honor you. Because we know that Scott Rich is the man that he is uh, uh, and, and lived on this earthly life because 
He followed your son Jesus and he trusted in you and he was filled with your spirit. So God, as we honor him, might you also receive honor. Might you also receive praise. Lord, many of us are seeking peace and comfort from you, but I, I know this, in the room this size, there are people who don't know that you are the God who is good. There are people who don't know that you are the God who brings peace where there is no sense to have peace. And so, Lord, I pray that today it would be made known to them. That their minds, their hearts would be open to the reality. That this good man, who they knew, was bearing the testimony of his Savior Jesus in all that he did. And might they come to know you, to rely on you, to trust on you. Because we don't have our dear friend with us anymore. And they'll need you. I pray these things. I pray your blessings over this day. I pray your mercy over this day. I pray all these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. This time, Brother Scott's brother-in-law, Robbie, is going to play and sing a song that Brother Scott and he sang many times together. I've never been before No sad goodbyes Will there be spoken For time won't matter anymore across the river to where my faith shall end inside there's just a few more days here to labor then I will take my There my home 
return Beulah Lamb Sweet Beulah Lamb Beulah Lamb Sweet Beulah Lamb That was hard, Brother Robbie, but you did good. I know you're missing that other voice with you. But you know, as you sang it, because I've heard you sing it before, I could hear his voice along with you. We've asked some people to come and, and share some, some memories of Brother Scott, to share a good word about Brother Scott. And uh, I'm first going to invite uh, his nephew, uh, Gary Hefner, to come and to uh, share some remarks about Brother Scott. First of all, I just want to thank all of you for being here. From his family, who I married into 28 years ago. The picture you see on the screen of Scott, you didn't have to ask him to smile. That was his face. I'm honored to celebrate him, to honor him, and grieve with you. Scott Risch. Or as I called him, Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> he loved it. Same face. <laughs> no matter the circumstance, whether he was welcoming or greeting you when you arrived or he arrived, that was the face. Or maybe he was bringing in stuff from the car that he had loaded at his house, brought to my house, Unloaded at my house only to load back up <laughs> to get home to unload again. Same face. Or he was holding the best hand in dominoes or cards. And he was just about to whip our tails. Same face. <laughs> Many of you know he was always prepared for any occasion with a good or sometimes corny dad joke that he loved to share. One I'll share with you. He would have told this one today. And for all those HEB people, it just fits. But what did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies. <laughs> Same face. But if you knew Scott, that smile was more pronounced and glowing when he spoke of or was praying to our Lord and Savior. Scott was a man of strong faith, and he showed that in the way he loved his wife and his family and the way he treated anyone who came into his path. I believe Scott challenged himself daily to find people who needed a pick-me-up or just a kind word. Many of you this week at HEB told my wife this very thing as she talked to you at the store. It was in these times Scott was doing what all of us should be doing and being the man that God calls us to be. I'm thankful I got to see such an example of faith and faithfulness. Scott, you may not have known this, 
but all of us in this room needed you more than we need, you needed us. The example we all needed to see, the friend who happened to be there just in time, the man who would do anything asked, even with no experience doing it, he would give his 100% effort. As my wife Carrie told me, he was what she called the funk or the fun uncle. Summers growing up with her brother and cousins at Meemaw's were made even better with Scott, simply because they never got in trouble when Scott was in charge. <laughs> the worst thing he would do to you was throw you in the pool. What a severe punishment for a young child. And yes, shortly after doing so, when they came up out of the water, there Scott was, same smile. I remember one holiday, I run an HEB, and before Scott joined HEB, he was at my house uh, for the holiday. We were celebrating, but I had to do a refrigeration check. Got to walk through the store and check to make sure everything's working. And Scott went with me, and as he walked with me, he knew not what I was doing, but he just walked a couple of paces behind me and continued to tell jokes. <laughs> a few I listened to, and others I just kind of giggled, but... I decided at the end of the walk, I was going to go ahead and tell Scott a joke as we were finishing. I told him the joke. He laughed pretty hard for only a couple of seconds. And then he looked back at me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, Gary, one thing's for sure. I won't be telling that joke at church tomorrow. <laughs> We had a different sense of humor, I guess. <laughs> it was that day that Scott discussed with me his interest in working for HEB. I don't put my name out there for, every, for very many people, but I knew Scott was a pretty safe bet. After a tough start, he finally found where he fit at Pearland 2. And I can't thank my friend. Jim and Eddie enough for accepting him and giving him the opportunity. He loved the store and everyone in it. So thank you to those who came today to celebrate him. And for those who couldn't be here who really wanted to. I'll tell you a quick story about the shirt he has on. <laughs> this Christmas, me and my wife bought him that shirt, but he had the same one on already. <laughs> Me and Carrie sat by each other as he opened it, knowing what was going on. <laughs> we kind of just laughed it off and said we'd fix it, but Scott opened it, same face. <laughs> And he said, now I got two of them. <laughs> Didn't bother him a bit. Lastly, to his wife, Karen, you truly found your soulmate. And you both loved with all your heart. He was your constant. And you were his why. You both put the Lord first and foremost in your lives. 
And that eases our hearts today as Christians, knowing that this is not the end. I know he sees your pain and uneasiness today. But I know what Scott would tell you is to keep your heart focused on the Lord today as you both have all your life in this church and at home. I'll leave this to all of you as a challenge. Scott loved big and helped so many. I ask each of you to find a way once a day, maybe once a week, or even just once, to find someone who needs someone. Touch a life in any way you can, because there's a Scott-sized void on this earth today. Love you, Scott, and we'll miss you. Thank you. Thanks, Brother Gary. Thank you so much. I'd like to invite Brother Scott's brother, Danny, to come and share some words about Brother Scott. I did the same thing as him. I put notes on my phone. Um, I, too, want to thank everyone for showing up here. And I hope I make it through this. Been praying that I could. So, Scott was a, my brother. And whenever I was told what happened, I thought, man, this is, I thought, I don't have any brothers left. <laughs> then I started thinking about it. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. We're all one big happy family. So I don't have any that my mom and dad gave me. But I got a bunch. This, this is obvious. I consider you all brothers and sisters. And Karen, I want to talk to you for a second. I truly believe that life is a puzzle. And it, you spend your whole life putting this puzzle together. And you get to a point where you're missing that one piece to make that puzzle complete. Scott was your piece. Made your life complete. And yeah, he was pieces of ours, but that was a big piece of your life. Scott was a practical joker. Man, was he a practical joker. <laughs> Growing up, I remember we'd sit there and have toast. We'd always put jelly on the toast, and Scott would grab it, and he'd sit there and put it on, and he's looking at me. <laughs> taking his time, knowing I'm waiting. <laughs> now, most people just put it on and they eat. No, he's covering every single <laughs> corner waiting on me, or me waiting on him. But, yes, he was a practical joker. And I got to tell you, he, as an older brother, feel obligated to teach and mentor your younger brother. Well, he didn't take care of, the, or he didn't do some of the stuff I taught him, which is good. Lord, is that good. Um, I will tell you this, though. I'm not sure if I taught him anything or if I learned more from him. Because regardless of what happened, his faith was first. It was always first. And he would, he would call me and tell me jokes, too. And he, me and him had a different sense of humor, too. <laughs> As a singer, he was fantastic. He was an unbelievable singer. And I write songs, and I've played all over, but uh, I couldn't touch the, the voice that he had. He was very creative, like you said, painting, woodworking, writing, published author. And I don't know if y'all know this, but my mom tried for years to get published. 
He did. So he fulfilled her dream. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking about Scott, and, you know, there's different people in the world. You'll see them, you wonder, okay, wonder what's going to happen to them. Are they saved? You, did they accept Christ? Are they going to end up in heaven? If I was Scott, there was no way you had that question. You knew. He's up there now. And it's, so it, it says in the Bible that whenever you go there, you touch on it, God will be there with open arms to welcome you. Right behind him is my mom waiting for him and my brother Steve. And uh, we didn't talk all that much, me and Scott, but whenever we did, it was like the conversation just picked up where it left off. And a lot of people wonder, what was the last thing I said to him? Or what was the conversation? I know for a fact what the last thing I said to him. Because every conversation we had, he would end. I love you, brother. And I would say, I love you too, bro. Now, 40 years ago, I wrote a song. It's called Pearly Gates. And I can't sing like I used to, but I can, I can read it to you. I hope you like it. And I think it's appropriate for today. He was living this life, living it day by day, living it his own way. I wish he was here today. But now he's gone and no one knows why. No one, not even I. Some even try to deny. But in denial, you'll never find. You won't find a sign. It'll make you lose your mind. And the answers, they don't come fast. Answers from the past. I wish they would come at last. And if I ever make those pearly gates, I know what I have to do. I'll say, I trust you, Lord. I believe your word, even when I disagree with you. Because when you took him out, I wanted to shout. It's too soon for him to go. He's got friends down here that really care. Lord, we miss him so. So I'll keep missing him. I'll keep loving him. And I can't wait. So I can hold him and say, love you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to invite them. They can come up together, and then they can take their turns to speak. But um, both my sisters, uh, Angela Reckwort and Sharon Tate, uh, have prepared some words to say regarding Brother Scott. start by saying um, it's probably so inappropriate but I so believe Scott would say it <laughs> this is a shell because the nut's gone <laughs> <laughs> and we got that out of the way <laughs> 
and I'm sure he said it at some point. That's why it's in my memory bank. <clears throat> I'm that age now, so. <laughs> Two words have come to mind when I think of Scott since that fateful day. Ever and faithful. Ever means at all times, always. This is how I remember Scott. Ever with a smile. Ever with a joke, usually corny in nature. Ever with a compliment. Is that a new outfit? I really like the color on you. Or did you do something different with your hair? It really suits you. Ever genuine in those compliments. Ever with a hug and I love you. Then my mind drifts to faithful, meaning remaining loyal and steadfast. Oh, if ever there was a better man than Scott Rich to fit those words. I met Scott at the age of 11 when we moved to Friendswood, and Scott and Karen very quickly became family. I don't know for sure, but it felt like they loved us as much as we loved them. They were Friendswood Baptist Church. Whatever needed to be done, they'd be there. There wasn't much, if anything, they didn't help with. Sunday school, song leading, nursery, camp cooks, and counselors. I will say their most distinct honor, though, was to be the caregivers of three Austin children. Anytime my parents were called out of town, Scott and Karen got the honor and privilege to keep us. <laughs> now, I'm a parent, and y'all are parents, and you've always heard kids are always better for someone else. Well, not the Austin kids. <laughs> We are what we'll now call authentic. <laughs> and Scott and per Karen probably refer to it as hell. <laughs> this will be the treasure of faithfulness I will carry of Scott for the rest of my time. His faithfulness to love us. Despite seeing our true nature and rotten character, he loved us and genuinely so. No greater gift is ours than to be loved when we are unlovely. This is a true representation of Christ and his love for us. It is a true character trait Scott lived. Scott was faithful to his God, to his testimony of our great Savior, to my parents and the Friendswood Baptist Church, to his family and to Karen's family. And of course, to Karen and Christopher, Cheyenne, Abigail, and Lily. As life is, it wasn't easy or kind, but Scott was. I often wondered how. How do you smile when life seems to be beating you down? And I wish I had asked. But I think it's very safe to say Scott truly lived the song he was known for around here at Friends of the Baptist Church. The song says, we are pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. 
Oh, may all who come behind us, behind us find us faithful. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. And after all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Scott, we found you to have lived a godly life and to have been faithful. Your devotion inspires me, lights my way, and leads me to remember God's sustaining grace. Thank you for your love, for your ever-giving presence, and for your faithfulness. And thank you for the honor of being allowed to share such a great man.
two things. First thing, this week was a hard week, but it wasn't for Brother Scott. Second thing, my mom told me I had to write down what I was going to write. And for those of you who know me, you can thank her later. <laughs> Off script, and I may sound crazy for this. Early morning Saturday night, I woke up with a vivid dream of my daddy. And it's been a couple of years. I think the Lord does things for us. You saw us get a little bit choked up, not just at getting to hear Brother Scott sing, because that was my childhood up through my adulthood. But we heard a Rick Austin, amen. I'm going to get back on script now. In a world plagued by hard days, this is a day that will stand out as particularly hard. There are people who line the fabric of our memories, whose laughter and voices ring out as a distant call to simpler times and happier places. Those whose actions and contributions have aided in chiseling away at the rough nature of our very own flawed characters. Isn't God good like that? He left his word, 
his Holy Spirit, and his people to minister to mankind. I was not an easy child. As Dr. James Dobson coined it, I was the strong-willed child. Those of you who were here for it, say amen. Miss <laughs> Karen says amen. Now at 41 years old, with my own two strong-willed children, I have often felt guilty for the war zone that Brother Scott and Miss Karen were dropped into each faithful, faithful trip my parents made. We were genuine and authentic before it was cool to be so. <laughs> Many here will not have had the distinct privilege of having been on the receiving end of discipline at the hands of Brother Scott. I will go on record and say a drop in the pool was not going to get it done with me. <laughs> I think that I was probably the first child he ever had to spank, and I probably deserved every bit of it. I was a child who it would have been easy to put away. His brother Scott always did the opposite. He pulled me to him. He pulled me to his wife, Miss Karen, and in doing so, he drew me closer to the Lord. More than a surrogate uncle, Brother Scott was a minister partner to my father. He prepared and led the worship, and my dad prepared and led the preaching. Fire and ice. Brother Scott was not fire. <laughs> Opposites in every way, yet firmly united and aligned in a love for God, his word, and his work. I firmly believe that God made Scott Rich and Rick Austin to minister together. He was my father's compliment in every sense of the word, and my father loved him. You see, Brother Scott lacked ego, and I mean that in the very best way possible. His actions, never self-serving, and his contribution invaluable to raising a generation coming behind him. He modeled for me what it means to, be, to follow a leader, what it looks like to put yourself away and die to ego, to place the ministering of those around you above all else, his lived testimony, a vibrant core thread weaving throughout the fabric of my own leadership philosophy, that I might be a Scott Rich to those who I follow. Thank you, Lord, for it all. Thank you for every core memory with his face and his laughter and his jokes. For every moment, I had the good sense to stop and watch when he didn't know anyone else was looking. For lining the fabric of my memories with his vibrant thread. Thank you for salvation and thank you for resurrection. Miss Karen, thank you for being more than you ever had to be. We love you. We stand with you. And whatever that is and however that looks, your thread is vibrant too. Thank you for all being here today. I'd like to invite Miss Faith Austin to come and share a song that she sang many times from this pulpit or for this platform. Sorry, I do. <laughs> no, 
you're going to think, oh, she thinks it's, no. <laughs> but Scott, for some reason, liked to hear me sing. Probably just because he was Scott and, you know, he always thought stuff was good. If y'all been around here any length of time, you know that I usually wear the same thing every Sunday. Uh, it fits, so I wear it. And Scott would say, hey, Miss Faith, is that a new outfit? You look real pretty today. And he meant it. He really did mean it. So he really did mean it. Sorry, Scott, you meant it. But uh, I can't say how much we love Scott. And I can't say in nearly 40 years, uh, I never saw one thing that didn't represent a Christian character and a pure man. He never said one thing off color. Uh, he had almost an innocence about him that I don't know where that came from except he followed the Lord. And he mirrored the Lord, and he modeled the Lord. And uh, the words are good. So if you listen to the words. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship out on the sea, thou who rules the wind and water, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the host of hell assailed and my strength begins to fail, thou who never lost a battle, Stand by me. And in the midst of persecution, stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. When my foes in war array undertake to stop my way, Lord, you save Paul and Silas. Stand by me. And when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden, when I'm nearing Chile, Jordan, O thou lily of the valley, stand by me.
if we were to open it up today, I know that many, many of you would be able to share thoughts, memories. In fact, I, I, I one of the, the things that I would say is I just don't think that we would have the day to contain us, would we? Here's what I always encourage, and I would encourage you today as well, is we've given you some glimpses, some memories today, but we're not the only ones who have them. You do as well. And when we have our reception here in just a little bit, what I would invite you to do is share your memories around the table. When you go up to Miss Karen, don't ask her how she's doing because that's not a good question. You can go up to Miss Karen and you can say, you know what I loved about your husband? And she will go, tell me. I want to know what you loved about my husband. Uh, share these memories. Share them with those who've already shared this morning. Share them around your table. And listen, here's the day. Uh, the thing is, um, this is not the only day that we're going to be remembering him. You're going to remember him when you gather as families from time to time. As a church, we're going to remember him from time to time. Memories will come in and we'll share them. And that will be a way for us to continue honoring him. And I pray we do. Uh, I, I think I would be, y'all would miss out if I did not share this with y'all. Uh, my sisters have shared, for whatever reason, uh, that we were hellions uh, when we were growing up. Um, Scott and Karen weren't the only ones who kept us, uh, but they were the first ones who kept us. And, uh, and then they tapped out. Uh, they were like, that's, we're, we're good. We, uh, we're good. Yeah. Um, so I have some infamous stories about, uh, Scott and Karen, uh, watching us. For one, uh, Miss Karen likes to spank with a, with a hairbrush. And, uh, if Scott was going to throw people in the pool, which I never was privileged to, um, she was going to get after you with the hairbrush, uh, they had to deal with not just one uh, strong-willed child, uh, but uh, I think three uh, strong, very strong-willed children. Uh, one time I had gotten a, I'd fallen and I'd gotten like a raspberry scratch on my knee. And uh, Scott was a type one diabetic. So we always had alcohol pads with him uh, because he would clean, uh, <clears throat> clean his, the area where he was going to give himself uh, an insulin injection. I knew he had these alcohol pads, and I knew what they were for. I used to, man, at five, six years old, I'm, like, watching somebody, you know, and give themselves an injection, and that, that was, like, that was cool for me, you know. And uh, and so I'd fallen, I'd scraped my knee, and I was like, let me have one of those alcohol pads. <laughs> and where we're going to be having the reception later on, uh, y'all should know that at one time was an apartment. Um, we don't have a large reception area, but uh, that used to be built as an apartment. It was a three-bed, two-bath apartment, and where the restrooms are now, uh, it's reconfigured, but we were sitting in the restroom, and I was begging him for, uh, for an alcohol pad, and he and Miss Karen were trying to tell me, you do not want to put an alcohol pad on this fresh scratch, and I was like, I think I do want to put an alcohol pad on this fresh scratch, and, and finally Scott said, okay, and he's like, I'm just gonna let you do it, and uh, and the way that he would tell the story is immediately whenever I put it on, I went, owie, 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 owie. <laughs> and so I have that memory, which is 
Probably for him, it was a little bit of sweet revenge for this next memory that I'm going to share with you. Uh, they had taken us out to Fuddruckers uh, one time, and, um, and, and, and I don't know the full story because I was just a, you know, I was just a kid, but uh, I've heard the story enough to be able to recount uh, it, but uh, I believe what happened was when we were ordering our hamburgers, and let me just tell you, we were not privileged to go to Fuddruckers unless it was with Scott and Karen because, uh, you know, my dad was the type that would take us through McDonald's and he was like, we're, y'all are going to get, uh, you know, a, a sandwich and then I'm going to get a supersized meal and then we'll split up the fries and we'll <laughs> split the drink amongst y'all, you know. And so uh, cheap comes to mind and it frugal. Yeah, that was my dad. Well, Scott and Karen were like, hey, it's Friday night. We're going to take the kids out to Fuddruckers. I mean, we're just, this is this is amazing, you know. Uh, you get to put your own toppings on the burger, and 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 of course, my eyes got way bigger than my stomach, and they kept telling me, "You don't want to do that. That seems too much." And I was like, "No, I think I do. Like, I'm pretty sure I know me. Y'all, y'all don't know me." And so, I was putting, I filled up my burger, and then once I got it, I didn't like it. <laughs> and listen, let me tell you, I have three boys now, and um, and and Miss Karen. Before I finish the story, I want you to know I'm being adequately repaid for this. <laughs> adequately repaid for this uh, over and over again because we always tell our sons, you don't want that. You're not going to They take two bites out of a, a plate, and then we're like, well, you're never ordering anything again when we go out to eat. <laughs> and then we're weak, and we let them order again. Um, but getting back to the story, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I filled up this hamburger with stuff that they thought you might not like it, and uh, lo and behold, the adults were right. Um, but uh, I wasn't eating, and they were, you're going to eat. And I, no, I'm not going to eat. And I, you're going to eat. And Scott goes, well, okay, well, if you don't eat, I'm going to take you out to the van, and I'm going to give you a whooping. Again, what is this throwing you in the pool? Oh, wow, okay. You know, like, real neat. Um, so, so, so Scott is like, uh, yeah, we're going to go out to the van, and you're going to get a whooping. And uh, I said no, and he said yes, and he grabs me. And as he grabs me, I grab hold of the table. <laughs> and he's carrying me out this way, and I'm taking the table with me. And it is just bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I think I do remember getting out to the van that day. <laughs> We have great memories, great memories with this family. And again, I said, we're not the only ones. They've been such a staple in Friendswood Baptist Church. Oh, by the way, that, that video that y'all saw, that was taken here. He looked different. This building looked different, didn't it? You know, we heard it over and over and over again. The character that Scott had um, displayed on this earthly life, it, I'll say this, it's not a character that he had because that's eternal character. That's character that will abide in the kingdom of heaven. We'll talk about that a little bit in just a minute, but but the character that Scott has is, is a character that is so adequately and elaborately discussed in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Uh, of course, y'all are all familiar with 1 Corinthians 13 uh, if you've ever been to a wedding. 
and you actually might find that uh, it, it doesn't have a good place here, but I promise you there's good reason for us to use this. But the character is the character of love that Paul describes. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, I've, I've kind of put my own spin on some of these things, but, but you've heard this. Uh, love is, it's long-suffering. It puts up with a whole lot. Love is kind. Love is not envious. As I say these things, you think within yourself, did I see this within Scott? Love is not self-promoting. Nor is it boastful. Love is not rude. Love is not self-interested. Love is not looking for a fight. It doesn't hold grudges or records of wrongs. It doesn't celebrate injustices, but it celebrates truth and justice. Love puts up with all sorts of hurt and harm to oneself. Or against oneself. Love trusts and hopes. And the good found in this world. And looks for the good in others. Love endures through life's ups and downs. And finally love. Holds on to this character. No matter what. It remains steadfast with this character of, of being kind and not rude. It holds steadfast of this character of uh, being humble and not proud and arrogant and vain. It holds fast to this character of, uh, of, of, of bearing offense rather than looking for a fight and holding a grudge. It remains steadfast with such character despite offense and honor or honor. It remains steadfast with such character, whether there is failure or victory. Whether there is loss or gain. Whether one is feeling weak or strong. Whether one is weary or rested. Whether one is despised or loved. I can look at all these things and say, I've seen this character in this man before us. And not, and I didn't just see this character on the good days. I didn't see this character on the easy days. I saw this character endure and remain steadfast no matter the day. Uh, if you knew him and you saw him and you watched him, do you agree? Hmm. Here's why I think that this is a, an, an interesting text and an adequate text for the moment, for the season. See, like I said, most of y'all uh, have only heard of 1 Corinthians 13 in the context 
of a, of a marriage ceremony where this beautiful, elaborate description of love is, is brought out. Or, or maybe you might sat in some church services and, and, you, and you've heard it uh, taught and preached there. But, uh, but, but I want us to understand that the occasion for Paul writing these words, for the, the occasion for Paul characterizing love and, and making sure it has, it has all these bounds and parameters around it. What does love look like? was because he is writing to a messy church. A messy church where there is pride and arrogance, there is self-promotion, shameless self-promotion. Uh, it looks a lot like Twitter or uh, Facebook a lot today in our day. You know, people are, are, are boasting about what they can do and, 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 and all the gifts, talents, and abilities that they have. And, 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 and then they are also fighting for prestige and honor. They're trying to jockey for position. You know, it, it, it looks a lot like the world that we live in. But it's supposed to be a church. It's supposed to be characterized differently than this world that we live in. And Paul is having a hard time with these people who are gifted. They are talented. There's no doubt about that. They have received gifts uh, not only just through how God designed them and created them, but through the Holy Spirit, they are able to do some wonderful, miraculous things. But instead of taking these gifts and using them in love, which is always for others, they take these gifts and they use them selfishly and for self-promotion. And so Paul starts out in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, and again, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase here, but he says, no matter what types of showy demonstrations of faith and service we can perform, if we do not do them with love, he says, they are just noise without a melody. How many of y'all like good music? And I'm not going to ask you what you think is good music because that's subjective, isn't it? But you like good music. And what makes that good music come together is how those notes all fall in line together. They not only uh, you know, bring noise to your ear, they can actually move your soul. And Paul says, you know, when you do when you do things just for yourself and just to be seen, you do these showy demonstrations of faith. And even service, you're just making noise. You're not making music. Or if he was a beatnik from the uh, you know, 50s or 60s, he said, you're not making music, baby. He says, if you are doing acts of service and you're not doing them for others, you're doing them for yourself. You've proved nothing and you profit nothing. Uh, this passage comes to mind because that rebuke stands in stark contrast to Scott Risch. Scott Risch made music because nothing he did was just a showy demonstration. Everything he did was out of love. And it 
And it's not love, this mystical force. See, in our world, we always want to talk about love like it's a mystical force. Paul doesn't seem to think about love as a mystical force. Paul says love is, is, is this choice to be kind and remain kind no matter if people are being kind to you or not. Love is a choice to look at somebody who has hurt you and offended you and say, I'm not going to hold on to a record of your wrongdoings toward me. Love is a choice that says today was a hard day and I'm worn out. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to endure whatever is before me with grace. And I'm going to be the one who will load up the car and unload it and load it back up and unload it with that benefit. Here's the thing, though. Usually, the one who's not doing the showy demonstration for themselves. Usually, the one who's not out there uh, shamelessly self-promoting all their acts of service. Usually, those are the ones that get overlooked. Thought about it the other night. We had a prayer meeting here as a church because we're reeling over this debt and all that goes with it. And I can tell you how we thank God for that night. It ministered to us. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, but whenever I think about Scott, Scott, Scott is one that I can confess and I wish I would have taken notice much sooner. That this one who wasn't showing out was the real deal. Jesus says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Scott's one of those ones that didn't come in first all the time in life, did he? He didn't have some great glamorous career. Uh, he worked hard every day of his life. He did not have it easy. He worked hard in his work. He worked hard in his marriage. Because whenever things don't come easy, sometimes there's pressures all around, aren't there? He worked hard as a father. On the surface, I can tell you, a lot of us wouldn't look at Scott's life and envy his life and what he had to endure. 
But man, wouldn't we want that character? I said a few minutes ago, we could say while he lived this earthly life, he carried this character, but we should know that this character is eternal character. In fact, Paul goes on to say, he says, uh, this type of love, this love that's been adequately and elaborately discussed already, not just love as some mystical force, but love as kind, as patient, as enduring, as uh, forgiving, this love does not fail. He says, you know what? He says, where there are prophecies, where there's this gift of being able to prophesy, to speak the truth that God delivers, those will actually come to an end. He says, where there's, where there's these demonstrations of faith, like tongues, they will actually cease. He says, right now, he said, these things are necessary. He said, we know only a part of what's going on. We can only prophesy or speak to a bit of what's going on. He says, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And what Paul is talking about, what that which is perfect is, is the Son of God returning. When Jesus returns... There will be no need for us to prophesy. When Jesus returns, there will no, be no need for us to, to understand only in part and be able to speak only in part. He said when Jesus returns, all those things will be done away with. He says, uh, right now we can only see through a glass darkly. But when Jesus returns, we'll see face to face. And he says, now I only know a little bit. I only know part of the story. But then shall I know even as also I am known. And he says, and now abides faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity or love. Charity will not fail now nor will it fail when Christ returns. It abides. Charity again, as we've described. Where did Paul, uh, where did Scott gain this character from? I believe Scott was a good man, period. But I trust that Scott's character was fully, fully developed out of his faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was another one of those men who, and I'm just going to tell you, before Easter, nobody's looking at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's life and saying, I want some of that. Before Resurrection Sunday, Jesus Christ looks a bit like an abject failure. Oh, well, he, he had crowds. He had multitudes. Thousands upon thousands were gathered around him. Maybe he fed 5,000. Everybody forgets that there's a 
point in Jesus's life where many of those who were following turned back, never to follow him again. John 6, 6, 6 tells us that. For the guy who, who, who was leading thousands upon thousands and having to feed 5,000 people, after his death, we learn that there are only 120 gathered in his name. But you put all that aside, I want you to understand the death that Jesus died is not a glorious death. In fact, the death that Jesus died, a death where he's given his life into the hands of another, is a death that none of us would wish for ourselves or for anybody else. And so until Jesus rose from death, he could actually be the one who was the least of these. So when Jesus said the least or the, the last shall be first, that's not even a message about who he is himself. But Scott's faith was in this Jesus of Nazareth who lived a life In which we know the definition of love now. Because of the life that Jesus Christ lived. And his life did not end in glory. It ended with the suffering shame on, uh, on the cross of Calvary. But God raised his son Jesus. To say this is the life that is eternal. This is the life that is valuable. This is the life that is worth it. It's the life that will love like Jesus loved. Scott placed his faith in Jesus and Scott said, I want to live that life. So Scott would endure long, hard work days where there was no glory at the end of it. Because he was going to, no matter what, love like Jesus. And today, as we said earlier, we have every hope that Scott is, when he entered into the presence of Jesus, he said, welcome home and well done, my good and faithful servant. Scott is going to live eternally this character. This character abides even today. Here's what we've already been challenged with. While it abides with Scott, might it rest on us as well? How can it rest on us? Well, you can make some good decisions. You can make some good choices and say, you know what? Bad things are going to come my way and I'm going to do, I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be thoughtful and I'm going to be forgiving well you can do that and that might last a little while but here's how I know that we can actually let this character rest on us here's how I know that we can have that character that is eternal and that we can have that life that is eternal is that we can make sure that our faith and our trust is in Jesus because whenever we trust in Jesus he gives us his, his spirit 
and his character rests on us. And we're able to walk in the character that is patient and long-suffering, that is kind, that is not rude, that is humble, that is not boastful, that is selfless, that is not self-interested, that is forgiving and not grudge-holding. When his spirit rests on us, we can do this when there are good days and when there are bad days. We can do this whenever everything's going our way and everything's going against us. When we receive Jesus and we receive his spirit, we receive, we receive the gift of being able to love like Jesus loved and like we saw Scott love. And so as we honor Scott today, and we lift up the name of Jesus, we also ask that we all make sure that while this one is taken from us, this light, this love remains by us trusting in Jesus. My brothers and my sisters, thank you for being with us today. Family, thank you for allowing us to host you today. Our prayers are with you today. To all who are gathered, your presence is such a gift. To Scott Rich, you are now knowing what it means for the last to be first, my friend. Until Christ returns or until I meet you there. May I share in a bit of the character that you displayed to us. God bless you, my friend. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we who have been able to taste the life of Scott will know that while a great man, Lord, his life really intended to point to your son, Jesus. Might we who value his life look to your son Jesus as our hope. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would just please continue to minister to us. Continue to give us peace where there is no peace or understanding of peace. Continue to lead us to your son Jesus. We pray for your blessings over Miss Karen, your presence to be with her. We pray for your presence to be with Christopher. We pray for uh, Brother Scott's siblings, Miss Karen's siblings, for the nieces and nephews, for the Friendswood Baptist Church, 
for his associates and patrons of H-E-B. And for all of us who love him. Lord, continue to be with us. Watch over us, bless us, and keep us. Thank you for this day, Lord. We pray it's been an honor to this man and an honor to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Just before we go, there's one more song that we want to listen to. It's an old hymn called Because He Lives. His son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon.
Scott could live the life that he lived because he knew he was living for eternal life. Thank you once again for being with us this morning. Uh, we are going to invite y'all to be dismissed, but also to hang around and have a time of reception with the family, uh, with a bunch of food that's been provided by our friends at HEB. God bless you as you go. If you would like to pass from the back to the forward. Oh, she's going to give you instructions now. All right. Miss Vicky's taking over.